But happening now, the prosecution is cross-examining Jennifer Crumley, the mother of the Oxford, Michigan school killer. We have heard rapid fire questions from the prosecutor trying to break down Crumbly's previous testimony. This morning, the prosecutor started with questions about time spent on her work, on her life, on her family dynamic, and also pressing her on new details about time she spent in an extramarital affair. The prosecutors also pressed her on the disturbing drawings from her son, drawings that tipped off school administrators hours before the shooting happened. This is the meat of their case. Crumbly answered often in one word replies and acknowledged that her son was acting how she described as depressed in the months ahead of that deadly shooting. I'm Sarah Sider with Kate Baldwin and John Berman and this is CNN News Central. Uh, we want to bring in CNN's Gene Casares and criminal defense attorney uh, Mark Romara. We are watching um, really the crux of the prosecution's case here in this cross-examination. Gene, bring us up to speed as to what we've been listening to and how important this testimony is right now. Well, the prosecution is really jumping around and they're doing that intentionally because they want to break her. And they're really focusing in on 2021. So all the testimony she had about soccer practice and bowling and we went on vacations, they want to disregard. They want to hone in on that time right before the shooting because they want to show not only child neglect, but this gross, gross negligence that she didn't care about her son at all. Going through text messages and you only, only three times was love ever mentioned. And, and one time it was uh, about something actually that didn't have any significance to Ethan. And so they're really focusing in on that. But one thing, they're gonna try to show that she's a liar. And those four phones, when they were in the industrial building, that were the tracking phones that they had gotten because their own cell phones were taken away, what we've heard is that they were turned off. But she testified yesterday they had their alarm set for 6 a.m. Saturday morning because they were going to go turn themselves in. And he made her admit, uh, I believe, just minutes ago, that the cell phones were turned off, but she testified the alarm was set for 6 a.m. So trying to catch her in lies that she's not being honest on the stand. Makamara, what is the bar that the prosecution feels like it needs to get over here to prove guilt of involuntary manslaughter, which is a novel prosecution theory here when dealing with the parent of a mass killer? What's the bar they need to reach, and how do you think they're going about it in this cross-examination right now? So one, it's very novel, and two, the bar that they need to reach, not legally, legally I'll tell you what it is, they have to show that she was acting in a grossly negligent way. Negligence is where you don't pay attention to what's going on. Gross negligence is where it's put in your face and you're almost willfully blind to what's going on, so much so that that jury is gonna sit back and go, we will not give you a pass on this. But that's the legal side of it. The moral side of it, the way they really want to play to this jury is they have to continue to chip away at her so this jury just doesn't like her. It's not in the jury instructions if you don't like her convicted, but the harsh reality is this is a mom who was supposed to be taking care of her son. There's moms and fathers on that panel. Yeah. And if this prosecution does the job that they're trying to do right now through cross-examination to make this jury dislike her, and they'll do that by these these many lies, these these deceptions, these untruths, then that's gonna help them get to the point where they're not gonna like her enough to say, we're not giving you a break on the parenting that you should have been doing. 
Both of you, if you could please stick with us. We're going to jump back in, get back into the courtroom testimony happening right now. Control room tells me they're asking questions now are about a fight that Jennifer Crumbly has had with her son previously. Right? Correct. There's nothing stopping you on November, yeah. November the 30th, 2021, from taking him home. Correct. Nothing stopping you. You know, actually, I want to go back to what you just said. You took his gun away. We took the shooting range away. You said he took, you took his gun away. No, I said we took the shooting range away. Your son could have been with you those three, four, five times a week when you were at the bar. He could have, yes. Your son could have been with you on those times when you were with either Mr. Malash or somebody else. Mm, no. In the week, the week, the weeknights, he could have been with you after school, after work. I wasn't with Mr. Malash at those times. Okay, the other individuals then. I wasn't with them either at those well, times. According to, the I, I might have, I might have messaged people at those times, but I was not with anybody at those times. He could have been with you on the Halloween party. He did not want to go. It was a bunch of little kids. And on November the thirtieth of twenty twenty-one at twelve fifty-one p.m., you could have been with him. I could have, yes. And you didn't? No. Nope. Nothing further. Thank you. Thank um, you. Mrs. Crumbly, I just have two, two areas of uh, questions for you. Um, Mr. Keast played some recordings. Who were you on the phone with in those recordings? And my dad. Okay, so you asked a couple of questions about calories, and then what was the other one? Um, the, I guess, the, ch the child tax credit. Okay. How often did you speak with your dad? Um, during the summer, it was every day. Um, they went back to work. It was just on the weekends. They both are both teachers. And how many t how many hours a day did you spend? Do you spend with other people? It, sometimes it's none. Um, sometimes it's when they walk by my cell, I'll talk to them. But I'm, I'm locked down 23 hours a day. I get one hour out by myself. Um, I talk to my clergy lady um, weekly, so I see her. Um, sometimes I talk to the church priest, or I'll talk to my attorney. But that's about the most human contact I get. So I, I guess one of my questions is, when you do talk to people, you talk about, are there more conversations than just those? Right, there are. Okay. And then um, that night on um, December 3rd, going into the 4th, um, after 11, there was one phone being used, is that right? Correct. Whose phone was being used? It was it was my burner phone. Who was using the phone? Uh, my husband was using the phone. Okay, were you also using it? Um, no, I was using my other phone. So he started using my burning phone, burner phone. I used the one with our regular phone number to do anything on. Okay, so these messages are from the burner phone. Correct. We're now listening to redirect. Correct. That is Jennifer Crumbly's defense so attorney right there. Um, let me bring back in Jean Casares and Mark Amara. Jean, from the layman's perspective, it seems like a relatively short cross-examination from the prosecutors. What do you think? Very short. I'm, I'm surprised. It was very short. You know, you always have to think about the jury out there. Um, jury members are inches away from Jennifer Crumbly. I've been in that courtroom, and they are right to her left. There are 12 of them that will be deciding the fate. 
And as you look at this, and you look at all the jumping around, all the different things, and points were made, but are, are jurors who are parents, mm -hmm. and many of them are parents, saying, okay, how many, in text, how many times did I tell my child that I loved him in the text? Are they relating their own life, and, and what's the impact of that? Sorry, we're just getting some information from the control room, Gene. I'm told from the control room that the jury is now being excused. They're going to be in recess for 10 minutes is what I'm being told. Let's continue, though. Mark, what do you think of this short cross? Uh, I'm very surprised. I, you know, I, I would have spent a lot more time as the prosecutor. This was the prosecution team's opportunity to make sure that jury yeah. does not like her because of the deceit because of the lack of parenting, because of everything that she didn't do that they want to say she should have done, it almost seemed like he just stopped without having another question. And look, just tactically, you always had on a crescendo. The idea of you could have been with him this day just didn't really fall very well in the jury. You really want to hit that last thing, you know, that recency and primacy that we talk about that jurors carry. And quite honestly, I thought it fell flat. Generally speaking, the prosecution done a good job, but this was their opportunity to really sink home the fact that this lady is such a bad parent, not only bad parenting, but so bad that she should be held criminally responsible. And I think they missed opportunities. Mark and Jean, there's often sort of a gut punch at the end where the prosecutor wants to leave something with the jury. That didn't really happen in this no. cross. It just sort of ended. So it's been interesting to watch this. But there was so much information that came out, the affair and what was happening and how she was texting back and forth with the person that she's having an affair with, that other people were involved, that her son was texting while she was with the person she's having an affair with. All of these things the jury is listening to, uh, the burner phones and the money that was in, $6,000 in her, in her purse when she found out she was going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter. Jury's listening to every single detail of this, and it is surprising for a lot of people who don't live their lives this way. 